Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are so beautiful. You are our precious Father and our closest friend. So beautiful. And there is none like you. Father, we thank you for the gathering of the saints of God and thank you for all that you have done and all that you are doing during these times. Father, it's been a different time for some. It's been a difficult time for others. And Father, we thank you today that it's been a decisive time for many because many have decided they're going to move on with you. I pray that uh, the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. For those who are part of our virtual audience, we pray that the same grace, anointing, and presence that we experience in the sanctuary will be felt in every apartment, townhouse, condominium, home, where folks are joining us in nursing homes and hospital rooms. Let your felt, manifested presence be known. To your name be glory, to your name be honor, and to your name be praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Once again, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here with you uh, on this weekend. And we thank the Lord for his tremendous grace that he's given unto us. Thank the Lord for also all the servants of God who serve in this house. Uh, all of those who have served from the parking lot to this platform. And all of those who have led us both in worship. Those who have done overhead lighting and sound. Those who have done our media ministry those who have led us in instrumental worship and vocal music worship, thank you. Those who provide security for us and give us directions on our parking lot because people can't worship appropriately if they don't feel safe and at peace. For our ushers that maintain order in the house of the Lord and for the people of God, we are grateful and we are thankful. Once again, I'd like to direct your attention to Psalms 92 and verse number 12. Psalm 92, 12. And uh, we prepared some notes. I prepare notes in our church because we use those in our small groups. I found out in our small groups at our church when we first launched them, people were in there talking about everything. So I said, maybe I just need to give some direction to some of the conversations. So we started preparing notes and, uh, and giving the people a chance to really drill down into that which we have ministered. And that's why we prepare some notes so that uh, people can have some thoughts to take away. Tonight, as we, as we minister the planting of the Lord, Psalms 92 is a Sabbath psalm. I will not read it in its entirety as I did this morning, but it's a psalm for the Sabbath. And it's a psalm for the day of rest, the day when the Hebrew community was called to really refresh and seek the Lord. I go to this psalm because in Psalm uh, 92 and verse number 12, we find this dynamic word written. The righteous shall flourish, shall flourish like a palm tree. Uh, they shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still be bringing forth fruit in their old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is a rock and there is no of the righteousness in him. Tonight, I'd like to 
Ask the Holy Spirit to help me speak with a prophetic voice to this church. And I trust that you will have ears to hear what the Spirit will say to the church. Many Pentecostals and Charismatics believe that the Holy Spirit activity starts in Acts chapter 2. That's not true. It starts about the third verse in the book of Genesis when chaos was in the earth. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. Isn't it interesting in our canonized 66 books of the Bible, the Holy Ghost is moving from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to the book of the Revelation because in the book of the Revelation, the writer John is still saying, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So the Spirit is still speaking to the church. Now, one of the greatest tactics of the enemy prophetically in these last days uh, will be uh, against people will be deception, will be also distractions, discouragement, despair, and also destruction. These will be tactics of the enemy to discourage us from moving forward in the Lord. The greatest weapon for the believer against end time deception is mature discernment among believers. Discerning of spirits is the ability to sift and to sort and to find out what's in operation. Is this God? Is this an angel? <coughs> is this a man? Is this a demon? What's in operation? Discerning of spirits. The righteous that are planted in the Lord will be able to discern not only the times but the seasons of the Lord. And listen, trees that are planted in the house of the Lord and you are a tree as a corporate church planted in this area, you and I need to know that we bring forth fruit in our season. Psalm number one, among other things says, you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in your season. There's a season for fruit bearing among every, every plant. And those that meditate in the word of the Lord, they bring forth fruit in their season if they are planted. I will say it at the beginning and somewhat throughout this message tonight, that trees that are planted take root and bear fruit. Trees that are planted take root and bear fruit. Trees that are planted take root and bear fruit. One time Jesus laid hands on a man and he said, what do you see? He said, I see men as trees walking. Jesus said, that's not good. Come back here. He laid hands on him again. He said, what do you see? And the writer says, then he saw clearly. Trees that walk have no root and bear no fruit. They are not really trees. They are subject to become tumbleweeds. And listen, during the charismatic movement, when I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, we had charismatics, people that believed in the charisma, the modern day use and, and, uh, and observation and operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We had charismatic, but we also had cruisematics. They cruise over here and see what God's doing. And cruise over here and see what God's doing. And cruise over here. And they were always just tasting of the fruit of the month or the flavor of the month. Well, in New England, there's a lot of flavors in this area right now. And God wants us to be not tumbleweeds, but trees planted. So discerning of the times is currently 
a critical, it's currently critical for the people of God. Now, I think it's also important to understand seasons come and go. And we have been in a crisis as a nation and globally because of the global pandemic. Now, the thing that happened when the pandemic first hit, I went and looked up the word pandemic and I found out that this is not the first time the earth has seen a pandemic. In fact, we have learned some things on how to survive and to live in the midst of pandemic if we'll just line up. This is the first time though disease and those measures have been politicized and sometimes theologized. People have theology about it. But people got through even though there were massive death in previous pandemics because they heard wisdom. Interesting thing about crisis, Pope Francis says, you never come out of a crisis the same. You can't, may come out better and you may come out worse, but you never come out the same. Crisis has a way of changing us. And prophetically, listen, we have come into a crisis season. Seasons come and go. And seasons can change rapidly. Who would have thought last year, 2020, in February, after we celebrated Valentine's Day and the month of February, that by the end of March, shutdowns will begin to happen. Seasons can change suddenly. Seasons are an appointed time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, which is the preacher sounding his voice. He says to everything, there is a season and to every purpose under heaven. To everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Ecclesiastes 3. Look, Ecclesiastes 3 goes on to say, there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. There's a time to plant and there's a time to pluck up that which is planted. There's a time to kill and there's a time to heal. There's a time to break down and there's a time to build up. There's a time to weep and there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and there's a time to dance. I've done funerals and had people give remarks and sometimes they are ministers from other congregations. Some of them question families that cry at the death of a loved one that is in the Lord. And they say, why are you crying? We ought to be rejoicing. I say, we are crying because we're missing our loved one. And there's a time to weep. It's part of the grieving process. And there's a time to mourn, but we just are people that mourn. We're not like people that mourn without hope. Are you understanding? So tears are appropriate and there's a time for tears. There's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. Listen to this. There's a time to embrace and there's a time to refrain from embracing. Oh, that we would learn that. Could it be that that, that, that is this time? I mean, it used to be, I used to go, our church is a, is a touch field church, so we're used to embracing one another. But you know, once COVID hit, I had to go up to people and say, okay, what are we doing? Because some people are fist bumping, some people are elbow bumping, some people, you know, Wakanda forever, we ain't touching nothing, you know? For some of y'all who watch those kind of things, okay? They ain't touching nothing. And so, so I have to ask what we're doing because there is a time to embrace and then there's a time to refrain from embracing. I'm talking about prophetically discerning the times and the seasons. There's a time to get and there's a time to lose. 
There's a time to keep and there's a time to cast away. Oh, if we did that, we would never be hoarders. There's a time to rend or to tear. There's a time to sow. There's a time for si- to keep silent. And there's a time to speak. Oh, that married couples would learn that. There's a time to love. And there's a time to hate. There's a time of war. And there's a time of peace. There's time associated with every one of God's purposes, friends. And Ecclesiastes 28 lists 28 contrasting seasons in life that are kind of common for the human journey. Uh, There's a time to be born and there's a time to die. It's the first one on the list. And friends, it's interesting that we celebrate when people are born. If they die in the Lord, we celebrate. But each one of those, there's a given time. I want you to know that this is a time during this global pandemic that the God has given our nation and other nations a time to really reflect on what's happening. In our city, we had to have a time of the reflecting on the digital divide in our, na- in our city. You see, when COVID happened in our city, they shut down all the schools. They told all the students they had to go virtual only to discover that 50% of the households in Columbus, Ohio that had students did not have any Wi-Fi or internet connection or computer to get on the Wi-Fi if they had it. It's assumed by some, everybody's got a computer. And so almost 60% of students were unaccounted for for an entire year. And we had to discern what they want to do. All of a sudden, the city budget found that they had money to give to the Board of Education to buy a uh, 1,000-plus uh, iPads. Other private organizations opened up their coffers and said, we're going to donate 500 iPads here because, you see, sometimes you just don't know what's going on in your community. We just make assumptions. This, this, uh, this global pandemic gave us an opportunity to look at race and race relationships and our own uh, implicit biases concerning race. It gave us a chance to look at aging because we found out that many of our elderly people, when we went virtually on our broadcast, they don't have Internet access. I talked to a lady this past week on a conference call on the phone in my office because she was has not yet come out because of pre-existing conditions. And she said, Pastor, I hear you announcing on the virtual that the prayer meeting, the Bible study is on Zoom. And she asked me, what is Zoom? I'm 86 years old. I don't know nothing about Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. <laughs> she had no idea what that was. I said, can I send one of our young people over to show you? I said, do you have a computer? Yes. I said, do you know how to get on your computer? Yes, Pastor. And I said, can I send somebody over to help download that app for you so, and show you how to do it? She says, I'm a tactile learner. They're going to have to sit with me how I learn. And so sometimes we've even developed new languages. Man, if I'd had real discernment, I'd have made a major investment in Zoom in 2019. In terms of stock. And friends, we've learned that there's a digital divide. We've learned that there's a care divide because we found 
and we thought that everybody was being cared for in the community. And we found out that when everything shut down, that there are gaps. We give out 30 care packages every, every, every weekend. Our youth and our emerging adults deliver those. Most of these are elderly families. Many of these are seniors in our sanctuary. And we give out food. We give out sometimes just stuff. Who would have thought that when COVID first hit, I don't know what happened, toilet paper get, went off the shelf. I mean, uh, did that happen up here too? I said, what's going on? I said, I said, uh, I said, this virus, I said, people, I don't know what they were thinking, but that just disappeared. And then my pastor, the youth, he said, I knew when we were in trouble. He said, when the shrimp ramen noodles went off the shelf, he said, because those things are nasty. And friends, we discovered that there was all kinds of stuff that disappeared. But then there were people that had lack in many things. Let me give you four seasons that prophetically the Lord showed me during this time of this prophetic pause for, calls for the pause. First of all, I believe that this is a season of sifting, sifting, sifting. It's a season of sifting. It's a season of sifting. Everything, there's a time or a season and a time under heaven. It's a season of sifting. Why is the season of sifting? Sifting happens when you and I have made confessions beyond our commitment. God permits a process called sifting to happen. Simon Peter is a great case study of that because in Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, uh, Jesus looks at Simon and said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired you to sift you like wheat. He said, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen the brothers. And he said unto him, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. And he said, and he said, I tell you that the cock shall not crow this day, but that thou uh, uh, thrice have uh, denied me that you know me. Sifting happens to discover what we really believe. And this is a season of sifting. It's a season of sifting because many of us have made great platitudes in our confession. And God says, I'm coming after your word to see if you're really committed to what you said. Sifting helps us to discover what our real commitments are. Not only what we believe, but what we're really committed to. You see, I really believe that those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. I really believe that we should not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. I was in Russia when the communists had it and we went there to deliver Bibles with a Bible smuggling organization. And friends, those people, even under communist regime, found a way to gather together for corporate celebration. Friends, they were committed to not only the Lord, but they were committed to one another and they were committed to public worship. See, Satan is God's uh, tool for sifting. Whenever you and I make confession, Satan is there listening to that word. And God says, I have an instrument of sifting. His name is Satan. And he's going to put you to the test. Everything that hits your life, listen to me. It is either God sent or God used. And I want us to understand that in this time of sifting, sifting helps us to discover what we really believe. Sifting. Helps us to discover your real commitment. Everything is either God sent or God used. Every leader will be tested. 
I read a quote that says, a leader that is not tested cannot be trusted. And sifting is what God brings us through. I call it pressure to find out if you're really committed to what you have said. Daniel went through a time of sifting, chapters 1 through 10. And that sifting was a sort out, Daniel, are you going to stick with what I told you to stick with? And everything, there's a time and a season. And what sifting is, it's a reality check. And many saints of God have been sifted because they have come to a reality check. I found out that some people are more conservative than they are Christian. Some people are more liberal than they are Christian. Some people are more Republican than they are Christian. Some people are more Democrat than they are Christian. Some people are more independent than they are Christian. One of my friends, he was uh, called me up because there was a bill that we were passing in our state concerning abortion, and it was called the heartbeat bill. And the first thing that came out of his mouth, he said, Lafayette, you're conservative, aren't you? And I said, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. He pressed pause because he's an advances and a great friend of mine. He spoke at our leadership summit this year. And he backed up and he recalled that conversation. And he said, he backed up and he said, you know what? He said, that's what I am too. And he said, and now when people try to put him in a box and they say, Lloyd, you're a conservative, aren't you? He said, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ because our kingdom is not of this world. And sometimes God has to bring us through pressure so that we can cast off some of those labels and some of those boxes people have put us through. I have found some people are more this than they are that. And sifting will help us realize where we really are. It's a season of sifting. So what do we do for people that we see them going through a season of sifting? Do what Jesus did. He says, I pray for you that your faith fail not. I pray for you that your faith fail not. And in this first point, that's what we're praying for. That your faith fail not. It's a season of sifting. Second point. Are y'all still with me? It's a season of drifting. It's a season of drifting. Do you know some people have left the church during COVID? I had a lady call, uh, call, uh, call me up and uh, set a, uh, no, this lady actually came up at the end of a service when we started back in person. And when we started back in person, she said, Pastor, during this time of isolation and separation and the building was shut down, she said, I really feel that the Lord is telling me to leave the church. And I looked at her and I said, Sister, where are you going? She said, well, uh, it's time for me to leave and go to another congregation. I said, nobody else is open. I said, you need to keep your butt right here. Sorry, I have to speak in bonics to my members sometime, okay? <laughs> I said, you need to keep your butt right here. I said, until God tells you what you need to do. And she was there the last Sunday I was there, and she was just there waving, and I said, good. Because, you see, some people are drifting right now. Do you know that the drift means to be propelled? Or to drive along, that's what drift means. And it's, it's a mariner's term, drifting, because you can drift off course. Airplanes can drift off course. 
You know, you can drift off course in many directions. And Ephesians 4, 13 says you can drift theologically. It says so that you may no longer be children carried to and fro by every wind of doctrine and human crafting, cunning craftiness of deceitful schemes. Friends, there's some drifting going on. There are seducing spirits, repetitious voices that have caused people to drift from sound doctrine. Drifting from sound doctrine. Listen, crafty, deceitful people with personal self-interest lead people astray. Many times drifting has happened because of the commercialization of our faith in the West. People write books, they need to sell them, and embedded in some of those books are things that are just not true and not sound. You have to be more of a Christian than you are an American. America is not the new Jerusalem. I told the men yesterday, all of this is going down. They looked at me like this. I said, yeah, it's all going down. I said, read Daniel chapter two on that image of that he had there. Daniel chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar sees this image and God gives him a panoramic view of history. He says that there's a head and shoulder of gold. He said, that's you, Nebuchadnezzar. That's the Babylonian kingdom. And you're going to give way to a lesser kingdom. That's called the Persian and the Mede kingdom. It's going to give less away to the Greco kingdom. He said, it's going to give way to another kingdom of iron. And that iron kingdom was going to split like legs and have toes that are mixed with clay. And then he said, and then I saw a stone come out of a mountain and it hit that image and all of those images fell. And then he said, and then that stone became a great mountain and it abides forever. There's only one thing that's going to last forever and forever and it's called the kingdom of God. And you and I cannot get so entangled with the things of this world. But some people have drifted into nationalism. Drifting happens slowly and gradually where you move off course. I've been behind cars that are drifting into my lane. Has anybody ever been there? And you're driving and you see somebody and you want to pass them, but you don't want them to sideswipe you. So my, I just slow down. My wife knows I'm, I, I'm keeping them in front of me because look at them. They're drifting around and I don't want, I said, I don't run them up or run them running up on in back of me. And I sure don't run them running on the side. Listen to me as you are doing this piece on drifting. Your feelings are seductive. Uh, listen, repetitious voices cause people to leave sound doctrine and craftful, uh, crafty and deceitful people with personal self-interest lead people astray. Driftiness too. Slow is slowly and gradually to move off course. I want you to hold to the foundations that you have received from this church. Because in New England, there are people that are drifting. Hold to the foundations and don't drift during this season. God has brought all kinds of voices into this church that are sound. Don't drift from that because you read something on the internet. Could you help me preach for a moment? Would you look at your neighbor and say, just because it's on social media don't mean it's true. Go ahead and tell them. I have people who use the social media as their source reference. You can't do that at a university. Well, yeah, I read it on the social media. And friends, don't be drifting. I went to Pakistan 2019. I was in India early 2019, which is a Hindu nation. 
And then I went to Pakistan in November of 2019, which is a Muslim nation. All of that portion of the world used to be called Hindi land when the British uh, colonized it. When the British colonized it, they split it because there were Muslims and there were Hindus and they were not getting along, leaving India 98% Hindu and Pakistan 98% Muslim. When I went to, uh, to uh, Pakistan, I traveled with two men from my city. One is a Pakistani and he's a, and he's a Pakistani evangelist. The other one is an evangelist from the local church that he goes to. And then he invited me, he said, Apostle, they want to hear your voice. And they invited me to come and preach there. When I asked him what were the ground rules that came there, he said, well, he said, he said, Pakistan is very so much inner, uh, he said, Middle Eastern. And so I started reading about Middle Eastern culture. There's a book written by Jesus through Middle Eastern eyes, Jesus through Middle Eastern eyes, Jesus through Middle Eastern eyes. And what it does is it looks at Middle Eastern cultural nuances. And the author is Kenneth E. Bailey, Kenneth E. Bailey, Jesus through Middle Eastern eyes. He really focuses on Jesus, the son of man from the book of Luke. And he talks about the cultural nuances that if you did not know them, you would miss them when interpreting Luke's treatise to Theophilus in the book of Luke and the book of Acts. Uh, Jesus through Middle Eastern eyes, uh, Kenneth E. Bailey. Kenneth E. Bailey was a professor of the New Testament in Lebanon. Speaks Greek, Hebrew, as well as some of the Syriatic languages, Aramaic, and he interprets the Bible through those cultural eyes and through the ancient literate, literature found in those areas. When I went to Pakistan, I began to read because I wanted to understand the cultural context I was entering into. And when I arrived there, our host, I asked him, what's the do's and don'ts in preaching here? And he said, here are the do's and don'ts. You cannot speak against the Quran. You cannot speak against the prophet. He says, you cannot speak against Islam. He said, and when we do outdoor meetings, he said, the majority will be present. That means they use the term majority as believers. That means that Muslims will be present. So no speaking against the Quran, no speaking against the prophet, no speaking against Islam. The advances that was with me looked at me and said, well, then what are we going to preach while we're here? And I said, brother, I said, the prophet Islam and the Quran are not mentioned in the book. What are we going to preach? You got 66 books to preach. But you see, when you and I drift over here to CNN and MSNBC, when we drift over here to Fox News and independent news sources, and we make that our daily diet, and we drift away from the Word of God, then we start making Sunday morning a retelling of news talking points, and people get that all week. What they need to get in here is what they don't get out there, and they need to get the Word of God, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You know what we did? We preached Jesus. We preach the kingdom of God. The Quran mentions Isa, who is Jesus in the Quran. The Quran mentions the people of the book. So we preach the people of the book. And we saw people saved. It got so that after we were there for a few days, we stayed in the house of a widower. And my friend, Evangelist Bagley, stayed on one side and I stayed in another room. And in the morning, we would go out and 
we were getting ready to be picked up and taken to our host house for a strategy for the day. And lined up at the gate of that house, we would hear this. And Mr. Bagley, and, and our host would go out and he would say, Brother Scales, Brother Bagley, he said, people are here. They want to see you. We would go out and there would be a line of people from that community lined up for prayer. They said, we heard that you were in the city. Brother Bagley and my friend Emmanuel had been there before. And they said, we heard that you were in our city and we came for prayer. And after several days, praying for 20 or 30 people every morning before we started our day, I asked my host, I said, who are these people? And he stood by me and he would say, majority. He'd say, majority. He would say, majority. And I said, can I ask him a question? And he said, what are you going to ask him? I said, I would like to ask them, why did it come to me for prayer? Because Muslims pray five days a week. I asked one lady that, why do you come to us for prayer? She looked around to make sure no one can hear. And she said, because your God answers prayer. We need to stop drifting into all this other stuff. And get back to what Jesus told us. And he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. In our, in our congregation right now, I'm using two words. Simple church. We worship like we did tonight. We preach and then we expect God to do something in people's lives. Simple church. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Where it's all about you. All about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it. When it's all about you. All about you, Jesus. What have we turned to worship in? We drifted. And it's not only a season of sifting, but it's a season of drifting. And I believe I'm one of those prophetic voices that are calling people back the sound doctrine and the come off of being tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. Not only is it a time of sifting and a time of drifting. Now this is close now on point number three. It's also a season of, of shifting, 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 shifting. You see, drifting happens slowly and gradually. Uh -huh, but we need to hold to our foundation. But number three, it's a season of sifting. Shifting, shifting. Thank you. Matthew 4, 18, while walking on the water by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two disciples, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting their nets into the sea. For they were fishermen. And he said unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is the time to go fishing. But we're not fishing for natural fish, tilapia. We are fishing. We are fishing for men at this time. 
I mentioned tilapia because there's what's, and you've been to Israel multiple times. And you know, down on Lake Galilee, there's what's called a St. Peter's fish. And it's a tilapia that's there. They grill it. It is wonderful. They come out with the head on it. Some, when I took my members there, they said, I can't eat lunch with it looking at me, okay? <laughs> and, and it's a fish that's known to swallow shiny things. Swallow shiny things that are in the Lake Galilee. And it's interesting, people drop things and this fish is just attracted to it. And, he, and they've been out there fishing for these fish because Lake Galilee is full and lively and full of life. And the Jordan River is like that also. And these guys have been fishing in the Jordan and they've been fishing there. The last time we were there, my wife and I, I think we went there, what, in 2018. And uh, when we went uh, to Israel, our, I think it was my eighth time, it was her seventh time. I remember coming home and my wife said, man, I'm tired. And she said, I don't remember being this tired the first time we went. I said, that's because you were 30 the first time we went. (laughs) She said, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Because there's a lot of walking and a lot of irregular surfaces there. And if you get certain guides, they can take you places maybe that you had not been before. And friends, when we were there, I always think about Peter, who had been a natural fisherman. And Jesus brings a shift into his life. He brings a shift into his life. And he says, you've been catching natural fish, but now it's time for you to become a fisher of men. See, shift means to, shift means to change a place. It is a change of place the shift means. Uh, Self-interest change the place and the position and the direction of something or someone. The Lord is shifting some of you, listen prophetically, from obscurity to visibility. Some of you have been in days past very comfortable being behind the scenes. God is reaching behind the scenes, behind the curtains, and he's finding people that have been in obscure, invisible places and calling you forth. You've been sitting there like a sponge and you're holding all kind of treasure inside of you and God is getting ready to squeeze you out. Kitty, 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 come out from hiding. Because God is calling some of you from obscurity to visibility. Now, some of you are going to come, but you have your heels kind of dug in very cautiously. But what he's shifting us to now needs to happen very rapidly because lives are at stake. He's shifting some of you from obscurity. I believe that this church could be the best kept secret in New England, but God will not permit it to be so. You don't want to be the best kept secret. And part of the way that he's shifting you is with your work of benevolence because some people care and love is spelled benevolence. And benevolence is when you give people things. People say, well, why don't they go out and get it for themselves? John Maxwell said people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Sometimes if you give somebody a sandwich, it opens up access to their heart. Sometimes you give people a couple of rolls of toilet paper and some hand sanitizer. It opens up the door to their heart. And God is able to shift you from what has been obscure to that which has come into visibility. The Lord is shifting some of your influence from local influence to national influence. And that is being done now because of the uh, inventions of technology. Some of you are very technologically aware and many of you have treasure inside of you, both in business and arts and entertainment, and God is shifting you there. 
I have people who joined our church, uh, you know, our virtual campuses during COVID because they were able to tune in. The Lord also showed me, he says, I'm giving you a bigger platform. Look at the numbers. You see what's in person in the sanctuary, but your numbers out there are great. And that's why we speak to our virtual audience. Our virtual audience can be global. I can speak to India where people get up in the morning, early in the morning, you know, to hear our broadcast. I can speak to people in Pakistan and I can speak to people in closed countries. Countries that you cannot go in and put on your entry documents that you are a minister. But my voice can be heard and ministry can be experienced as God shifts some of us from local to national influence. See, the Lord is shifting some of you from a national voice to a global voice. And I believe that you need to be aware of the global opportunities God has given unto you. I know in America we speak English, but don't forget your indigenous language because people who speak in your indigenous language need to hear your voice because of what has been invested inside of you. You contain more inside of your vessel than you really know. Don't play the comparison game about not knowing as much as somebody else because God holds you responsible for what you do know. Not what you don't know. And friends, God, it is a time of shifting. It is a time of sifting. It is a time of drifting. And it is also a time of shifting. When God begins to shift you, get rid of everything that tells you that you can't, that you shouldn't, that you can't be able to do it. And, and, and don't decide to do something else. Get rid of and dig down inside of you and kill everything that tells you that you can't. Make the shift. Make the shift. Make the shift to the space that God wants you to. I post something up on my Facebook once a week. My media staff came up and said, Pastor, that's not good. Give us some just the thoughts or let us take some notes from your sermon and we'll post up daily because that's not a space that I'm in too often. And so I have people that will help you. And if you will decide to make the shift, then God will help you with people that you need. I used to know all my ministry staff and still do. You know the names of the people I know now? Who running the camera? Who's editing my programs that go out there on my virtual broadcast? I know my lighting people now. I know my sound people. I know everybody by name, first name, because they recorded me on a iPhone 11 initially <laughs> when COVID first started. Then when we got our new cameras in and got them installed, then we were ready to go camera white, and I had to shift because of that. I'm used to preaching to people. It was difficult for me just preaching to 10 people in the sanctuary on a Wednesday so it would be edited. You might say, well, didn't y'all do live? I said, no, I had to get edited because this man in front of you says some stuff that is unique to Raymond Christian Center sometimes that don't need to go global, okay? One lady called me up, she said, Pastor, you can't be fussing on us on a global platform. I said, okay, okay, okay. So now they kind of edit some stuff out because some stuff is for the local church. But some things is for the body. And friends, discerning what needs to even go out over the airways is critical. It's a time of sifting. It's a time of drifting. It's a time of shifting. But here's what the Lord let me know also. It's a time of lifting. It's a time of lifting. 
First of all, I think we need to lift up our eyes during this season. Psalm 121 says, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. From which comes my help? My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Lift up your eyes. See the future. There was a time in 2 Kings chapter 6, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, where there was a little servant named Gehazi. He was serving a prophet named Elisha. And one night when Elisha and Gehazi go to bed, the Gehazi gets up early and the Syrians, the Assyrians have moved in. The man is so disturbed, he goes in, he wakes up the prophet. The prophet gets up and he looks at the forces. He sees his servant upset, upset and he says, they that be with us are more than they that be with him. The prophet looked at him and the young man was still disturbed. And he says, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000. One, two, they that be with us are more than they that be with him. And the prophet prays a little prayer that I pray for you tonight. Lord, open their eyes that they may see. And when their eyes were opened, they saw the horses and fired chariots around them. I want you to see a God that made everything. A God that's in control of everything. Pastor John, I've been revisiting uh, my studies on the sovereignty of God. A God that really controls everything. I'm not quite Calvinistic where I believe in tulip, you know, total depravity, you know, un, uh, you know, unconditional love. Or, and then, uh, you know, uh, 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 tulip is limited atonement. Uh, it also deals with irresistible grace and the perseverance of the saints. I'm not quite there, but I do believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe that God is a sovereign and he does whatsoever he wills, whensoever he wills, howsoever he wills. And this has not gotten God by surprise. This is not taking God by surprise. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. And friends, I want to see God in everything that he's doing. I want to see further than ever before. I think that is a time of lifting up our heads because sometimes when you and I have been overwhelmed by death and by disease and, and all of these kinds of things, our heads begin to drag. And the psalmist says in 24, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And we need to lift up our heads and see clearer, see clearer, see clearer, see clearer. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Some people blame God for everything that happens in the earth. But remember, it's God, it is the devil, and it is human beings in the earth. We're not alone in the decision-making in the earth. Everything that comes in the earth does not escape God's knowledge, his foreknowledge, and his awareness. And some things God permits, some things God perpetrates and he initiates. But I want you to know that when I lift up my head, I see clearer. I see him as the Lord that's strong and mighty. I see him as the Lord that is mighty in battle. I see him as the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of armies. He is the king of glory. It's a time to lift up our heads and stop apologizing for being a follower of Jesus. Stop apologizing for being a part of a local church. Stop apologizing for believing these sacred pages. We lift up our eyes so that we can see further. We lift up our heads so that we can see clear. We want to see the Lord of hosts. We want to see the God of armies. But it's also a time of lifting up our hands so that we can see broader. You see Psalm 134, verse number 12. Two says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary 
and bless the Lord. You know, there's a lifting up the hands as a sign of surrender. And the sign of surrender means I'm just giving it all up to you again. And I know when I was 21 years old, I surrendered my life to the Lord. But every time I come into the sanctuary, I lift up my hands and surrender. And I remind the Lord that the deal is still on. I'm still surrendered. And you are still mine. And I'm still yours. And I'm committed to the task. It's a time to lift up our hands in surrender. But it's also a time to lift up our hands in victory. Because you and I need to see the ultimate victory we win. We sang it this morning. We don't lose. We win. We win. We win. We win. We win. And I'm going through some skirmishes right now. But ultimately, we win. It's a time to lift up our hands in victory. It's a time to lift up the Lord's saints. Because during this time of sifting and drifting and shifting, there needs to be a time of lifting. And let the Lord's praises be loud in the sanctuary. If you have to sing through a mass, do it. If you can open up your mouth and sing, do it. Do not let our sanctuaries be silent. March first, no, first Sunday in April of 2020, we had to close our building because the mandates came that not more native people could come out. We were in purple. I don't know what your ranking is here in terms of COVID. And we had to close down our building. Now, listen. The church never closed, just the buildings closed. Because the church is people. We didn't close down people. We closed down a building. And the church is everywhere, continuous at all times, without interruption. The church is everywhere, continuous at all times, without interruption. The church never closed, just the buildings closed. And friends, during that closure, I remember from March, we, 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 didn't, even, we didn't have an Easter Sunday, we didn't have a Mother's Day, we didn't have a graduation celebration that we usually do in June. When things begin to relax and open up and people from our survey said that they sell on April 15th or August 15th of 2020, we came back for our first in-person service. When we stood up that morning and we had our pre-service prayer at 9.30 on Saturday morning and 9.30 on Sunday morning with our services that we have there, I stood up and I said, this morning I would like to give a formal call to worship. And I opened my Bible and I read the text and said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We didn't need keyboards, drums, organ, or anything else. Those people took off shouting and running around the sanctuary. Because when I said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I said, that text has a different meaning today, doesn't it? And folks just started shouting. I didn't even, the worship team didn't have to do nothing. We just sat down and said, let them worship. And we sat back and let people run and shout and lift their hands and praise God. Because you really never miss your water until the well runs dry. And sometimes you don't miss the house of the Lord until the building shuts. People were ignoring the temple in Jerusalem until the Babylonians came and tore it down. And in Babylonian captivity, by the river Chabar, they said, there we sat. And we had hung up our hearts. And our captors taunted us, saying, why don't you sing one of the songs of Zion? And they said, how can we sing the songs of Zion in a strange land? But then one of the worshipers said, wait a minute now. If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, if I forget thee. 
If I forget the old Jerusalem, let my right hand lose its cunning and let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you more than my daily bread. And sometimes we get neglectful and sometimes God permits things to shut down so that we can value it more. I know a whole lot of husbands that devalued their wives until their wives packed up and went and left. Then they want to come and fall on the altar at the church. Apostle, come and anoint me. Pray for me. Call the intercessors. They want somebody to come by their house and wave the banners over their house and cast out them spirits and them demons. And I said, you should have did all of that when she was here. Now she's gone, gone, gone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Excuse me, it's flashback to Motown, okay? And friends, sometimes we don't miss something and value it until it's eliminated. And this is a time for us to lift up the Lord. Let me tell you why I want you to lift up the Lord. Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I know he was talking about the cross, but I believe that we lift him up in our praise, our worship, our life now. If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me. I want you to lift him up and see the harvest while you're lifting him up. Because I believe that we can experience great increase during this time because people are recognizing I'm lost and people are recognizing my relatives have died. Some of them from just natural causes, what we might say. Some of them have died from this wicked demonic disease and virus that's out there. But I want you to see the harvest. I want you to see the lost and lift them up because lost people matter to God during this season. They always have, but I want you to see the lost. And there's somebody God cares about. I want you to see the solution that I still believe that Jesus is a problem solver and he's the only problem solver for sin. I want you to see the solution. I want you to lift up your voice like a trumpet and I want you to lift up the name Jesus and I am not ashamed of the name of Jesus. And I went to Pakistan, second story of two we were there preaching and we preached the kingdom of God and Jesus and we preached the ancients and the patriarchs. And when we were there preaching, the pastors there came to me and many of them were Anglican pastors. They were pastors from the Episcopal Church because of the British colonization that had happened there. The Church of England, which is the Episcopal Church, the Anglican Church, has settled in there. They were Episcopal. And they said, there's something different about you, brothers, because after you preach, you don't go back to the office. We stood out, vaguely stood on one side, and we laid hands on people and prayed for them for hours after our services were over and people would come. One of the big things that we found there is that Muslims in, the, in Pakistan, the majority, they are having eight kids per family on average, eight children per family on average. Christian couples who get married are married for five years, no contraceptive, and can't even get pregnant. It's a demon. Oh, it's demonic. And I had couple after couple that have been married five to seven years to say, pray for me because we've been married five years, seven years, and can't get pregnant. 
we started laying hands on people. And I said, I want to report next year because the spirit of, in, of indignation rose up in his eyes. Oh, no, devil, you won't wipe us out like that. And we started laying hands on people, telling husbands to put your hand on your wife's room, causing that womb to be fertile. I laid hands on men and caused them to be fertile. And I said, I want to hear the reports this time next year. And we started praying for them. Those Anglican men told us, they said, there's something different about y'all. And we said, the difference is that Jesus, a God's gift to the world is Jesus, but Jesus' gift to the church is the Holy Ghost. And listen, and I said, and we have received Jesus' gift called the Holy Ghost. That Saturday night, Brother Bagley and I had been team teaching. I would teach, and then he would teach and minister as an evangelist. And they said, tonight, Apostle, could you take both sessions? I said, what do you want? They said, we want you to teach on water baptism the first session and then teach on the baptism with the Holy Spirit the second session. I said, I can do that. I taught on water baptism. I walked them through the tabernacle. And I said, in the Old Testament, you know, the reason we baptize is that atonement in the Hebrew scriptures was done through bloodshed and through washing. The brazen altar and the laver, I said, atonement was through ceremonial washing uh, and through sacrifice, bloodshed, and ceremonial washing. I walked them through uh, the prophets about the washings that happened there. I walked them through the book of John where, where, where Jesus comes and he's preceded by John the Baptist. That was, uh, listen to all those water scriptures in John. He was there and John was baptizing with the baptism of repentance in John chapter one. John chapter two, Jesus turns again water into wine. John chapter three, Jesus says, you must be born of the water and of the spirit. John chapter four, Jesus meets a woman at a well who's drawing water. John chapter five, he goes to a pool that's full of water and full of sick folk and he heals for water's all through the book of John. And I begin to build this thing up. And as I said, and I said, and you and I need to follow our faith after we receive the atoning forgiveness of Jesus Christ through the blood of Jesus by being baptized in water. Took a little break, came back next hour and a half, taught on Jesus said, after you've come into my family, you need the same spirit that's upon me to come upon you. And I taught on the baptism with the Holy Spirit that the prophet John prophesied that says you have been baptized in water, but there's one coming mightier than I who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There's a baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and there's a baptism with the Holy Spirit. And the language throughout their Bible, they use a basic King James, was with the Holy Spirit. And I, that pronoun, I'm sorry, that, that preposition is important. And I said, you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost. I said, I want to see you baptized. How many of you want to receive Jesus' gift? People raised their hand and a man came up. My interpreter said, there's some people out there that are the majority that are raising their hand too. They wanted to. And listen, I, see, I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. I said, the only prerequisite to being baptized with the Holy Ghost, you must be a believer in Jesus. I led them in a prayer, the disciples' prayer, calling Jesus Lord. And then at the end of that prayer, and I said, and Jesus, you are the gift that God gave us, but now we come to receive your gift. We come to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I asked all those folks to lift their hands. They lifted them. I told them, Holy Spirit, welcome into this place. And then I said, breathe in. The Holy Ghost is here. And 150 people were filled with the Holy Ghost and started talking in tongues in an open field right there. And the people who are my ministers start saying, some of those are majorities and they're receiving the Holy Ghost. And they were just like the day of Pentecost. And I just figured if God can feel 120 people in an upper room 2,000 years ago, he could take care of 150 people in a field 
on that Saturday night. He filled them with the Holy Ghost. We need to lift up Jesus. Next Sunday morning, I came to the church. I wasn't going to preach. Brother Bagley was going to preach because I took his two sessions the day before. And the pastor stood up and he said, how many of you were here last night? All these people raised their hands. He said, how many of you heard the first teaching on water baptism? People raised their hands. He said, how many of you want to be immersed and baptized in water today? 82 people raised their hands. He looked at me and Brother Bagley. He said, y'all preach this stuff. After service, you're going to baptize all these people. I said, for real? He said, yeah. And when Brother Bagley got finished preaching, we got finished praying with people. They whisked us off to a room, changed our clothes, put on some of the Pakistani pants and the long uh, shirt, took us out. They had run a water hose into their pool, which was right outside their sanctuary, and 82 people lined up. They didn't have enough clothes to change them. Those people lined up in the clothes that they had worn to the meeting and stepped into the water. Roses grow naturally throughout Pakistan. So what the saints do on baptism day is they go out and they clip and they pick roses and then they take the rose pebbles off of them and put them in baskets. And when people come out of the water, they throw rose pebbles over them. I asked them, why do they do that? They said, because when they go home and they're wet, everybody's going to know they're baptized. But when they see those rose pebbles, they're going to know that they're covered in the blood. He is our rose of Sharon. And we water baptized 18 people. That picture I sent back to our media team and it showed us baptizing men and women, 82 people there because if we'll lift him up. I'm telling you, if it can happen in a nation that's 2% Christian, there are still people that are in New England that need Jesus. And I come to prophesy to you that if you'll lift him up, He'll draw all me. He's still, look at your neighbor and say, he's still drawing. 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 It's a season of sifting. It's a season of drifting. It's a season of shifting. It's also a season of lifting. And I pray that you will understand your prophetic season. I believe that this is the remnant church right here. Some of y'all that are chip off the old block. Some of you that are a piece of the rock. Some of you that are left over from the original. And I trust it that I prophesy these seasons. You will locate the season that you're in, whether it's difficult or whether it's good, and that you will enjoy this season. And when the season shifts, that you'll shift with the seasons and you'll go out in this community and lift him up. Whenever you give away anything in benevolence from this church, Always add a God bless you and Jesus loves you. It's amazing how those two words will open up the door for evangelism, for sharing, for listening, and for drawing. Pastor Ray, if you could come, I'd just like to pray for us tonight. I want to pray because people are in different seasons. When our saints return and our members return to their in-person churches, my Lord, the Lord told me, he said, he said, Lafayette, some of the people that are coming back, he says, you're going to have to give them a pre-colon cleansing. And I said, what? And he said, you know, because you've had colonoscopies. 
He said, because some of them have been eating all kind of stuff and they are impacted with all this stuff. You couldn't get saints before COVID to come to church once on a weekend. Now, because of internet, some of them gone to five churches and have all this different kind of grass in their stomach. Some of the saints need an enema. They need to get cleaned out. And he says, you're going to have to clean out a whole lot of stuff. And a good shepherd knew how to lead his sheep in the dry pastures where the roughage was that would clean out their inside. But sometimes he'd lead them into a green pasture where the rich, lush green grass was that would give them nutrients and nurture. Some of you have come into this church after this time of isolation and separation. And God is going to take a season and just clean out some stuff. Because when you and I are quoting popular teachers more than we're quoting Jesus and this word, something wrong. Something is, and that's where people get confused. And I just said, Lord, cleanse me. Created me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit. And I want to pray for you. I don't care what season you're in. I want to pray for you. If you're in a season of sifting, I'm praying that your faith will fail not. If you're a season of drifting, I'm praying that you'll hold the sound doctrine. If you're a season of shifting, I'm praying that you'll be available and remain flexible. If you're in a season of lifting, I want to pray that you'll be obedient. If you've discovered the season that you're in, just stand up on your feet. If you know, okay, this is a season I'm in. And this is just stand up on your feet if you've discovered the season that you're in. So some of these are good seasons. Some of these are trying and testing seasons. But if you know the seasons, maybe you found yourself in one of those 28 seasons in Ecclesiastes. And you know that that's your season. I want to pray for you in the midst of your season right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I bring before you every person that's standing and every person that's viewing. And many have discovered the season that they find themselves in. I pray in Jesus' name, Father, that you're going to do some great things in the midst of them because you are mighty. I pray also, Father, that, Father, if it's a season of shifting, uh, a sifting, that you would not let their faith fail during the time of testing. If it's a season of drifting where people have drifted away from sound doctrine, I pray that you'll bring them back to sound doctrine, bring them back to the word, bring them back to the house of the Lord and to sound teaching. I pray for those, Father, who are being shifted. And some it's uncomfortable because they are comfortable being in obscurity and not being visible. But now you're bringing them the visibility and you're bringing them out of obscurity. I pray for those as well. Father, I pray for those, uh, Father, right now, uh, Father, who have drifted today. Bring them back to sound doctrine. And Father, now I pray for those who are in the season of lifting, where you have called them to be a part of the team that lifts up the name of Jesus in this region, in this area, in this state, and Father, across the nation and across the nations. Whether they're being sifted, whether they have been drifting, whether they're being shifted, or whether they are, Father, time for them to be lifting. I pray for them that you'll strengthen them with might by your spirit on the inner man in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for the new sound also that will come forth from this house, a sound that will be a regional sound, a sound that will cause ministry to be done in a different way than has been done before. 
But when people enter into this sanctuary, of a truth they will say, of a truth God is in this place. Because we are sorry for the thing that we made it. We are not here for performance. We are not here for entertainment. We are here to lift up the name of Jesus. And I prophesied that that new sound will draw many new listening ears and hungry hearts to this house. So prepare yourself, people of God, for those new that will enter in. And do not be so comfortable looking for your friends at the end of a service, but look for the stranger, for the newcomer that is in your midst and let them know that there is space and there is room for them. And though you love your old relationship, let the Lord expand you, people of God, to make room for the new. I see another generation that is hungry for something that is stable. And after they have wandered and drifted out to that which is popular, they're going to come back to that which is sound and prophetic and stable and durable in Jesus' name. The voice of the Father will be in this house. Not only because of this church's longevity, says the Spirit of God, but because of this church's integrity throughout various seasons. And the Lord has seen your integrity even as he saw the integrity of Job during his time of sifting. And God has said, there is none like Faith Christian Center. And still they serve me. And you have served Though the enemy's hand was moved against you, though people drifted away, those people have tried to seduce members, you have stood. And the Lord says he is honored and he has seen your stand. And if you will continue to stand and now press into him in your worship, press into him in the word, press into him with your walk, I will begin to cause people to migrate like a magnet, if you were, towards this house as the spirit of God. And all of you will be a part because not one man's name will go on this because it will be so dynamic that people will say, of a truth, this is God. So the Spirit of God would say, maintain that spirit of humility. But at the same time, when I command you to be aggressive in the spirit, be aggressive and intentional in the spirit. And my hand shall move yet once again in this place, but in a new and dynamic ways. I hear some new songs coming out of this uh, sanctuary, and it's good to sing other songs, but I hear that there will be some songs that are scripted out of this move that God is doing, and it will be a unique sound for this house. And so, don't be afraid to linger in the presence of God, because he says, I will give you words that will ride on the melodies that will come through this house. Some will be celebrated, some will be solemn, some will be salvific in their nature, some will be evangelistic, but all will adore and lift and exalt the name of the Lord. This is your season, Faith Christian Center, says the Spirit of God. And God says, and I'm glad that you're here to see it because this season will be the answer of prayer of many in the region and of many in this church, says the Spirit of God, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Well, Father, we thank you for all that you have spoken and all that you have said. Now let there be a performance for what has been spoken. What your mouth has spoken, let your hand now perform. We're open to you, Lord. We're available to you, Lord. And we're flexible to you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Now, there are those who are in our virtual audience. Some of you have not yet received Christ. And I would like those in the sanctuary to just pray this prayer after me to help those who have not received Christ. Because if you've drifted away from the Lord's house and from your relationship with Christ, if you'll pray this prayer, you'll have an entry into the Lord's house. After I pray this prayer, Pastor John is going to come. He's going to give you instructions on your next step. So whether you are in person or you're watching virtually, pray this prayer after me and you'll enter into the kingdom of God. Pray this after me. God in heaven, today I come to you. I believe with all my heart that Jesus is Lord. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. By his stripes, I am healed. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Rule my life. Rule my spirit, my soul, my body, my family life, my social life, my economic life. I renounce the past. Everything Satan has done in my life, I am finished with it. Now, Jesus, you are my Lord, my Savior, my baptizer, with the Holy Spirit, my closest friend. From this moment forward, I will live for you. Live big in me, Jesus. My life will never be the same. Now, Father, would you come and seal the prayer and the word that has been ministered to these that have prayed that prayer, whether virtual or in person. Holy Spirit, come and seal them to the day of redemption. I declare all things are being passed away and all things are become new. And that now you're in the kingdom of God and it's in his presence. You will live forever and forever in Jesus name. Amen. For those who prayed that prayer in person and virtually, I would like to welcome you to the kingdom of God. And church, why don't you welcome these who have prayed that prayer for the first time to the kingdom of God. Amen. Pastor John, why don't you come? Amen. Amen. Enjoy your season. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. you prayed that prayer, if you're here and you prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe you made a recommitment of your life to the Lord, and we dismiss in just a moment. If you leave, you have some